Blog Talk Radio. everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hi, everybody. Oh, so great to be with you again right here on the Good Love radio show. And it's so exciting to get to spend an hour together to talk about what is closest to all our hearts, the thing we all want to experience, we desire, we need, we literally, scientifically, it's been proven, need love. You all know those studies about babies who didn't get love and how they stopped growing and they withered away, how elders, when they're touched and they get love, they perk up, people even start to heal and get well when they get love. So today we're going to explore what true courage looks like in the face of adversity and how you can turn a bad experience into a great lesson for good love. I like to say, and this is a quote from Sayababa, Every experience is a lesson. Every loss is a gain if we work with it. So we're going to work with it. Roll up your sleeves. You're going to be joined tonight by two powerful and inspiring women, Anita Ross, author of Meantime Love, a woman's journey from self-loathe to self-love, and to Net Powell, Most of you know she was a recent guest on Oprah's Life Class, and she's the author of the book, The Other Woman. I did a series of shows with Oprah back in the day on being the other woman and why women would put themselves in that position. No, I'm not saying I was the other woman. I was the expert talking about why women would do that. And the question is, why would you settle for less? All right, we've got that, a lot of other questions ahead. And remember that we have three things we focus on every week. I want you to keep these in mind this week and every week. What is the key to your good love? It's knowing that you are truly deserving of love. And I want you to say it. I deserve good love. 
Yes, say it again. I deserve good love, and I want you to say, and I am worthy of good love. That's your mantra for the week. That is our mantra every day. I am worthy of good love, and I deserve good love. Right now, we're going to focus on why good love is essential to your greatness. Oh, and tonight we're really going to talk about what that means, and we're going to identify your negative love patterns that might be blocking you from the good love you deserve and that you're worthy of. And most importantly, how you can break the chains of what happened back then so you can be free to experience good love right now. All right, everyone, if you want to join the conversation and you know I want to hear from you, and you're going to want to talk to these two powerful women I'm about to introduce. Our phone number, take it down, is 347-989-0776. That's 347-989-0776. All you have to do is push one on your phone, and Cliff, who is standing by to take your calls, will call on you. All right, get ready. Let's meet Anita Ross. Let me tell you a little bit about this incredible woman. I can't wait for you to meet her. Anita's been traveling the world, talking to women and teenagers about how to love themselves fully. Now, that may seem like it's a small thing, but I can tell you from all my experience and my years of working With people, the number one reason we sabotage our relationships, the reason we don't get in the love relationships we need and want and deserve is our self-love and how we feel about ourselves gets in the way. So Anita is all about breaking through that with her workshops, her coaching. She is giving people tools to make choices that will serve their highest good. And she's had a journey. Oh, she's had a journey. And it's a journey that has led her to discover her true purpose because she knows firsthand what it's like to live with low self-esteem, what it's like to live with gender discrimination, to live with poor body image and all the pressure about your body. And she knows what it's like to live with domestic violence. And she's written about her journey in Meantime Love, a woman's journey from self-loathe to self-love. Everybody, welcome Anita Ross. Hello, Anita. Hello, Dr. Brenda. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you join Good Love Radio. We have a lot to talk about. So a lot of women find themselves in relationships with controlling men, and it doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, purple, red, green, yellow. It doesn't matter, gay or straight. I have worked with couples from every walk of life where there's been domestic violence, and it's something that happens so often, and I know that you experienced being an engineer in corporate America, but your private life was was a dark, hurtful place. Tell us a little about your story, dear. 
Yes, Dr. Brenda, you know, I had everything going on, and from an appearance perspective on the outside, things looked great in my life. I was an engineer. I was successful for my age. I was making great money. Um, But the one area in my life that was just the red flag that I do not love myself was the relationships that I kept getting myself into. It was like different guys, same relationship every time, and I was in, on such a quest for a love on the outside, I was not in the realization that I, I got to love myself. I needed to love myself in order to stop that pattern of abusive relationships. And now, relationships what was going on in the relationship, Anita? Because I know you really tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God in your book. <laughs> what really was happening there? Tell us a little. You know, it was anything from a relationship that I was just settling to all the way to a relationship where I had ended up with a gun to my face and the person saying to me, I love you so much, you'll never have someone who loves you as much as I do. And me, actually on the other end of the barrel of the gun, hoping that he was telling me the truth. And it, it was just a range of ways that I seek. Uh, support, love, and the wrong kind of attention on the outside. Wow. So for you, what you're saying is even though this person was threatening your life with a gun, he was telling you that this was love. And part of you was going, gee, I hope he really loves me. I hope he's on the other side of that gun really loving me. So there wasn't something in you that kicked in and went, okay, this is crazy, and this is not love. At that point in your life, that voice didn't come on. Is that what you're saying? Hello, are you there, dear? Uh Uh-oh, Anita, have we lost you? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Hello, Anita, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. I was asking you if there was something that kicked in for you on the other side when you were listening to this person say that love had anything to do with treating you in this this dangerous, horrible, demeaning way that's saying this you is know, love. I got back together with him that next day, and it wasn't until two to three weeks later when I was staring at the barrel of that very same gun again, that I had said I had enough. And I was in such a dark place. I hit my, what I call my rock bottom, and realized that it was time to stop the relationships and start focusing on loving myself. And whatever pieces I could pull together at that point, I did. And I started my journey. Right then, it took you, again, being in a life threatening situation to something inside you said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I've got to find some way. What was your process to begin to find your way from really the, I hate to say this, but from the barrel of a gun, what was your process? How did you do that? You know, I decided to take a holistic approach and feed my mind, my body, and my soul and in each area, I Now, hold on to... for one sec. How did you go from being there in front of a gun 
to even beginning? What was the first step? The first step was choosing something different for myself. I knew this was not it for me. I had hit my rock bottom, and I really believed that the only way to go from here was to go up. I, I couldn't get lower than this point in my life. And it was really about just absolutely virtually no self-esteem. That was mm. where I was. Yes, no self-esteem, no self-love. So can I ask you one thing, Anita? So many women, because I have worked in the field of domestic violence for my entire career, and I used to actually chair the board, be the chair of a board for a shelter for battered women and their children. And I would say over and over and over to the women in our shelter whose children were with them. And so many of the children had witnessed the abuse or themselves had been abused, and it was usually because of the child that the woman finally got out, and I would say, but, and they would all say, we would sit in group in the evening, and they'd all say, I know he really loves me. Even though he does this, I know he really loves us. And we brought a man in who had a program that was about teaching women how to get out of domestic violence. And he would say, and he had been an abuser. He had been an abuser. And he would say to the women, this is not love. If somebody is hurting you, it's not love. If somebody is threatening you, it's not love. If somebody is speaking to you in a way that is putting you down, it's not. And he would just go through all the things they had been through and say, this is not love. And then he would say as a man, what he had thought and felt when he was an abuser, he said, what I was thinking is, how can I control her? How can I break her down? Even while I was telling her, but you know, I really love you, he said, I was always manipulating. So I just really want to illuminate the other side, which is, even though this person was saying, I love you, that wasn't love. And you came to a point where you hit the rock bottom and something in you said, there's got to be some way out of this hell. Now, your yes. first step was, okay, got to be a way out. What, what was the next step? Did you get help? Was there somebody to support you? How did you begin the process? What was the first step? The first step was definitely figuring out how to get help. And I took that holistic approach I mentioned earlier from the mind perspective, body and soul. So I started a spiritual journey. I started a, a journey to get my body fit and healthy and purified. And so then you started I, working out. And how did you I get help? Out. What kind of help did you get? I, went, I, would, I definitely went to see a therapist. I went Good to see a therapist. You for my mind, the part, that component, because I knew that I needed some unbiased um, form of person to just shoot everything I had gone through and all the unhealed stuff with, shoot it around with them and see, you know, just the sounding board, so to speak, um, so I can just release, physically release all of the stuff that had not been healed to get myself to that point where I'd be in a relationship with, you know, hoping that a person who's putting a gun to my face loved me. So what did you discover led you to be with somebody like that? It had been 
one experience after another, I had been used, abused, attacked, raped, rejected, stalked. You name it, I had been through it. And none of it was healed up to that point. And it was finally at that point, that rock bottom point where I said, I'm done. I got to shut it down. Everything outside of me so where I'm looking for. are you saying that as a child you had been through those experiences? It was started in my teenage years. Where, mm-hmm. where I was seeking externally outside of myself for some form of affirmation, um, you know, of love. So this is something that's important because here with Good Love Radio, we look at the chains. We call them the negative love patterns, those chains. In fact, I teach a class called Unchain Your Love, because we all have these negative patterns that are learned usually before you're eight years old. So you're saying that by the time you're a teenager, something in you said, well, I've got to find that love outside me. So something had happened to you as a child that made you feel unlovable. I really believe that I had been socialized to truly believe that finding love was an external process. I really was socialized that we had to look a certain way, our bodies had to be a certain way in order to find love. We had to speak a certain way. We couldn't be too, too intelligent. You know, I was discouraged with my um, some people in my family not to go into engineering because it was not a woman's, you know, a career. And so I just believe I was socialized a certain way to be. Well, and you're also and I that you experienced some lack of support from your family, some discouragement of your dreams. Because young girls are so vulnerable. And we need, when we're young girls, to have family support, to have people cheer us on, to say, you're worth that, you can do that. And without that, everything you just said is true. Young girls take on these ideas about how their bodies should look. If they don't look like like a size zero anorexic model, a lot of girls get into big, big trouble with all that. So, Anita, you have gone public with such courage, such honesty, and your book, From Self-Loathe to Self-Love, A Woman's Journey, it's an amazing, amazing testimonial. What was it like for you to go public and start talking about these painful truths? You know, um, when I first started writing Meantime Love, it was cathartic for me. It was a way to release some of the painful um, events in my life. And as I kept writing and as I was on this journey to self-love, personally I realized a lot of what I learned and a lot of the tools and distinctions that I was um, bringing into my life to bring myself on this journey were going to help people. And a lot yeah. of Hold on a second. Speaking of helping people, everybody, if you want to join the conversation, hit us up on Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade. You can also tweet us, hashtag Dr. Brenda Wade. So join the conversation or you can call us, 347-989-0776. If you are ready to turn a corner, If you are in a relationship where you know it's not meeting your needs or it could even have crossed the line to abuse, and abuse can be mental, physical, verbal, or even 
financial abuse. If you've got a question for the courageous Anita Ross, or if you want to share a little bit of your own story, hit us back on Facebook, tweet us, or call us. And when you call in, be sure you press 1 on the handset of your phone. That way Cliff knows that you would like to join the conversation. And we'll be looking out for your responses. All right, Anita, tell us what are the three top three things that you would say to any woman who's got negative love patterns? I would say this, that self-love is an ongoing process, and I I call it a three-piece process. Number one, know yourself. Do whatever it takes to get to know yourself. Take the time. We're so busy as women, but take the time to get to know yourself. Fall in love with yourself. Number two, choose to love yourself. No matter what you find out about yourself, even the quirky things, but choose to love yourself no matter what. And then three, which all of these are equally important and go hand in hand and you can't express love without them. Number three, have the courage and confidence to express yourself no matter what people think, what your circumstances are, or what you've been through. All three of those together and you will express self. Mm, So knowing yourself, you know, in my experience, I find that knowing yourself, you're absolutely right, is a key to loving yourself because until we dig in, and really figure out, and this is a huge, powerful thing, and a lot of people are afraid to say, well, what happened that caused me to feel this way? You know, what happened that made me think all I deserved was to be with somebody who had hurt me? Or a lot of people, I know some of you listening, may see patterns in your love life where you've chosen the same person over and over again and when you see that that means my darling you have a love pattern and it is important that you ask yourself where did this love pattern come from and you know you have to look back to the age of eight sometimes even younger and ask what did I learn see what happened what did I learn that's what Anita means when she says no yourself. And once you know that, then you're in a position to start loving yourself. And loving yourself isn't a switch you hit, right, Anita? Right. Doesn't happen overnight. What did you do to build that self-love? You know, I decided I was going to do whatever it takes. And one of the key things was spending time with myself. I remember not ever wanting to be alone, not ever wanting to spend time with myself. You know, the idea of going to a restaurant alone just totally, totally did not sound good to me. I was not good company to myself. And I took the time. I took a whole year of just doing things that would get me intricately um, in love with myself, that I would just find out things about myself that were so new and so amazing and just fall in love with myself. And it really was a matter of spending time with myself. So you were kind of dating yourself, huh? Taking yourself yes, out to absolutely. dinner and taking yourself on dates? Absolutely. I, went I to love that idea. By myself. Yes, absolutely. I went to a five-star restaurant, got dressed to the nine, everything. Wow. That took a lot of courage, Anita. Good for you. And everybody, take Anita's advice. Do that work 
to spend time with yourself. And I'm going to add a little something to what you said there, Anita. When you spend time with yourself, you know, there's a little voice that comes on in your head. And most of you have heard that little voice go, ooh, when you look in the mirror. Or, ooh, you know, look at that. Oh, God, look at my butt. Or, ooh, what about my thighs? Or whatever. You criticize Please, when you are falling in love with yourself, treat yourself the way you would treat a date that you were really, really attracted to, where you look for all the things that are sexy, all the things that look good, all the things that turn you on in the other person. Do that for yourself and write them down. Write them down. So you really take an inventory. What do you think, Anita? Absolutely, absolutely. I wrote a book about it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Now, when you say courage and confidence, step three, what do you mean when you say courage and confidence? Express yourself with courage and confidence. What I mean there is no matter what, because here's I use this example all the time. If you meet somebody on a date and you're dating and they want to do something nice for you and you know they don't like chocolate ice cream, so you tell them, oh, my God, I can't stand chocolate ice cream. I love vanilla. And they bring you vanilla ice cream the next time you meet and you don't enjoy it. And then you you guys, you decide, this is great. I'm going to get her vanilla ice cream every two weeks, you know, in our relationship. And by the end of the year, you're like, oh, my God, you blow up. I don't like vanilla ice cream. And it's because you did not give that person the opportunity to know who you truly are. I like chocolate ice cream. I know it's not your favorite, but it just happens to be mine. And get that, get break through that fear of getting, letting people know who you are right up front and give them the opportunity to love who you truly are. So what you're saying is let somebody know who you are and what you need to feel loved and feel cared for. Now, this I find working with couples, because that's really the lane I swim in, is in working with couples, it's interesting you say this, because that kind of open, authentic communication is the hardest to come by, because I've had more people say to me, and I always want to just kind of fall over when somebody says, well, you should know what I need, or you should know, if you really love me, you would figure it out. If you really love me, you'd already, and nobody, unless you are, what's the guy's name that used to do all the the mind reading on television, I can't think of his name right now, unless you're that guy, and I'll bet in relationships, he doesn't know either. Do (laughs) yourself and do the other person a favor, and let them know what you need, because it makes it easier for everybody if you'll just speak up. All right, that is great advice, Anita Ross. Now, what do you want to leave us with, my dear? What is your your final thought? My final thought is to be diligent about self-love and just go walk through the steps of the process on a regular basis so that you can always check in with yourself and reestablish that love for yourself. And that will guide you in all areas of your life, career, relationships, health, community, any area of your life. You can be your own guide. Yeah, and one of the things you also talk about in your book is the whole idea of being a daddy's girl, right? 
No, I didn't talk about it. Okay, then I am wrong. Bear with me because you know what? I'm already trumping our next guest. That is Turnet Coles talking about being a daddy's girl. All right, Anita Ross, everybody, I want you to get her book, really good information. The book is called A Woman's Journey, From Self-Loathe to Self-Love. And you can pick it up at www.anitaross.net. All right, Anita, thank you so very much for the courage that you have to go live and go public with your story because it's an inspiration. You can hit bottom and work your way all the way to the top, everybody, just like Miss Anita Ross. All right, Anita, blessings, dear. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. All right, everyone, hold tight. Hold tight because we are going to add another dimension to this conversation about finding good love, creating good love, creating good love patterns, knowing that good love is essential to your greatness. Because what you just learned listening to Anita Ross is when you're on your journey of healing and transformation you end up in a place where you can do so much to help others. And that is also what Ms. Powell, who's about to join us, is going to talk to us about. Tanette Powell dates back to humble beginnings in San Antonio, Texas, where she grew up. And she grew up with this very interesting concept about being a daddy's girl. And we all know that our connection with our fathers affects how we view the world. In fact, research shows that it's our relationship with our fathers, whether you're a man or a woman, that determines your relationship with money, with success. And, of course, if you're a woman who is heterosexual, it's going to determine, and I think also for lesbian and gay men and women, because I've heard it over and over, it affects your relationship all the way around your love life. So what if dad leaves? What if dad isn't emotionally present? For a woman, that means you don't have a healthy model of what it means to be with a man, and it could lead to avoid. It could lead to avoid that takes you down the path with the wrong one. All right, what is the most meaningful thing you learned from your father about love? Tell us, how did that impact your life today? That's our hot question right now. You can tweet us your answer. You can send it via Facebook. You can call us at 347-989-0776. Click 1 on your phone. Participate in our live discussion. What's the most meaningful thing you learned from your father about love? And tell us how that is impacting your life today. Now, my dad, it's interesting. I'm going to answer that question myself. My dad showed a high level of devotion to my mother. Cards, gifts, flowers, kissed her on the cheek on the way to work because she wouldn't kiss him on the lips. 
kissed her, kissed her on the cheek on the way back and put up with what I saw was a lot of coldness and criticism from my mother. But he was devoted, absolutely devoted. So one of the things I learned from his example, not that he said it, was to put up with stuff in a relationship and put up with it much longer than I should. And, ooh, yes, I've been working on that, thank God, for therapy. So what's the thing you learned from your father, whether he said it to you about love and how does that impact your life today? Hit us back on Facebook or Twitter, Dr. Brenda Wade, or call in 347-989-0776. Click one on your phone. All right, get ready for Tanette Powell. She has so much to share. We talked about her growing up in San Antonio, Texas, but guess what? Her father was addicted to drugs, and when her father wasn't watching because he wasn't watching if he was on drugs. Tanette was struggling. She was having all kinds of problems in school. She was even labeled at risk, and she felt broken and defeated. In fact, she barely got through high school and then dropped out of college. And after that, she said, I have got to find my way. And she wrote her memoir, The Other Woman, Tanette Powell, welcome to Good Love Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And you have been speaking out with Oprah's Life Class and doing so many incredible things. And we were with Oprah in Dallas at Megafest when she was on stage with T.D. Jakes, mm-hmm. actually talking with some of these dads who were absent from their children. Tell us a little bit about how that affected you, your father's drug addiction. Yeah, you know, it's a, and I talk about this in my first book, and I really talk about that in my second book. Um, You know, for me it was very tough because my father was in my life when I was very, very young. So three and four, he was there in my life. And we knew that something was, you know, wrong and that daddy wasn't always there. But when you're young, you just appreciated the times he was there. But at the start of my elementary years, my dad got sentenced to prison for four years, and he did a lot of four-year stints over the course of my life. And it was very, very difficult because my father went from being my hero and the person that I admired more, you know, my favorite, to being this person who was just, he was a memory. He was a shadow. And so I, I didn't know this when I was young at the time, of course, but I started acting out. You know, I wanted him. I didn't want my mom. My mom wasn't my favorite. My aunts weren't my favorite. My uncles weren't my favorite. My brothers wasn't my favorite. My father was my favorite. And so, mm, Because I, a lot of times children long for what they can't have. That's right. They long for what they can't have. That's right. And it was mm-hmm. very, very difficult. And so when I, from as early as four years old, I felt the need to have a boyfriend. And mm. it's really interesting because... In my second book that will be out May 1st, I, st- I tried to list every guy I ever dated from the age of four. I mean, it was like serious where my mom would even allow them to come to my birthday parties and she would pick them up and, you know, let them buy me a gift. I felt the need. All those years I was looking, I thought I was looking for a boyfriend, but I was looking for a daddy. All yes, yes. I totally understand what you're saying. You make me think about an article I wrote 
I had a column in Essence Magazine for years, and I wrote an article called Daddy Hunger. And we had more women write in and respond to that article, I think, than to anything I ever did, in essence, because this is a universal kind of thing. And it's, it's so painful for a child because you must have many times asked yourself, why is he not here? Absolutely. And, you know, and then it got to a point where we started to understand what addiction was. And what broke my heart is that, we couldn't be enough to get him off drugs. You know, it was like, so I understood he had a problem, so I wasn't just blaming him for being away, but then it was like, why was why am I not enough? So then I wanted to find guys who were broken, kind of like my dad, So and I wanted them to show me that I was enough to help them and to change them. And it was just, it was very, very destructive. Oh, my God, yes, I hear you. And this, again, let me just throw this out there, I want everyone to understand what Tanette is saying. You see, the child never says, oh, my father has an addictive issue, therefore his brain is impacted, and that's why he's not able to be consistent and show up for me. No, children always say, because the child's brain is not finished till age 24, everybody, 24, we can't even do that kind of abstract thinking until we hit 15, 16, 17, 18, the child can only say, what's wrong with me? Why am I not enough? And in our earlier conversation with Anita, that whole low self-esteem often begins with that child saying, what's wrong with me? Because my parent isn't showing me love. So yeah. what happened to you? You said you were acting out, you were picking these men, trying to fix them, save them, trying to get them to show you what your dad couldn't show you. What happened there to that? Yeah, you know, and uh, and that's, you know, that's like one half of it. I got in trouble a lot at school. I did all kind of things. I would just pick fights for no reason. Um, everybody was like, well, maybe she needs to be medicated. Something's wrong with her. She's just bad. And with these guys... I got to this place where, you know, it was just a real unhealthy, unhealthy place. I, was, I went to college uh, in Missouri, and I was dating this guy, and he was a broken guy. I knew he was broken from the beginning. He had just gotten out of, like, a juvenile system. He didn't have either one of his parents, but that looked good to me. It was like, you can save him. You couldn't save your dad, but you can save him. And I saw all the red flags. I saw how he yelled all the time, but I didn't care. And so I found myself in a really, really verbally abusive relationship. It was um, very, very verbally abusive. I mean, every day I was called out of my name. I was disrespected in a way I'd never been before. And um, I tried to help him as long as I could. And after that relationship ended because it was just so reckless, and the only only reason why I was able to get away was because we were from different states. After that relationship ended, and after I got into two relationships with people that were dating other people, which was really, really, um, really, really silly, I got to this place where well, I Well, not silly. Now, hold on, because that's a judgment on yourself, dear, because you can see why you would have done it. I did. It's silly now because I, it's like you tell yourself, you know, you play these games with yourself. So you tell yourself that you know that it's wrong, and you feel bad after you're in these, after you're in these moments, but at the same time you feel good, so you continue to do it. And 
I got to this place after that, those relationships. Probably not feeling good, but feeling familiar, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? No more guys. No more guys. No more. And it wasn't easy. It's not like you can just say that and go away. But it's it's kind of like a thing where turn that cell phone off for some time. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like find something to replace it because you can't, Every time, I tell people this all the time, even when you're looking at things like bullying. If you tell someone to stop doing something, you have to have something to replace it with. So for me, if I'm going to stop with the men, what am I going to do in, you know, in place of that? So for me, it was go to church a lot more. For me, it was get involved in things. So, you know, I was involved in Big Brothers, Big Sisters. It was I played way more basketball. I even volunteer coached um, in a basketball league. So it's like what type of positive things can I replace this with so my time is not consumed with trying to date all these guys? Wow, good for you. So in some ways, you see, your solution echoes what our earlier guest, Anita, said. Anita said she had to break the cycle of abuse in her life by spending time with herself. And you're saying, yes, and in addition to that hiatus and that little vacation from men, especially the bad boys, you decided, i got to get involved in something positive. Yes, Play basketball, I, you know, get fit, get healthy, all of that. And one, ex, and one additional thing I think you need to do, you also, when you're doing that and you're going through that exploration of self, you also need to figure out why, the why. Why was, you know, why did I need those guys? Why was I doing some of those things that I was doing? You know, I'm a firm believer in that the truth heals. And mm-hmm. so when I work with a lot of young people, because I work with a lot of fatherless people, even, um, you know, just all across the globe, a lot of people that were on Oprah's Life Class this summer, I've still been mentoring with them. And what I always want to get, you want to get to the why. Because I feel like when you start right there, now you can make that association. So I know why, now that becomes power. So, we so know the why for you that you were able to get to was what? I wanted my father. I wanted my father. And, you know, you, it's some, we're in a situation sometimes where we can't get that relationship. So, But I feel like once you know that, even if you can't repair your relationship with your father, now that you know that, you have to become a high self-monitor. Now you have to start watching and, you know, kind of like looking at some of the things that you're making, some of the choices that you're making, some of the friends that you're choosing. But that's how the healing process begins. It's the first you've got to know why. What are you killing from? What is the problem? You have to get down to that root. It can't just be enough to just go on. You have to go back to that past, dig into it, and figure out why. And dig out whatever that wound is. You know, you make me think about a story. There is a little children's story about the lion in the jungle tearing everything up and howling all night and slashing and biting any of the other animals that got near the lion and everybody said why has this lion gone crazy and become so destructive and even self-destructive and while the lion was asleep one night only a little mouse had the courage to creep up to the lion and found out the lion had a thorn in its paw and the thorn had infected the paw and the lion was in pain And he pulled the thorn out, and the lion started to heal. 
So you're kind of talking about going in there and finding out what that thorn is that was creating that young Tanette acting out in school and needing boyfriends and and hooking up with people who were hurting you. You found out what the thorn was. It was that your dad wasn't there and you wanted your dad. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, and I'm going to have to use that story. That was a really, that really, really brings the point home. I mean, it really, really does that that's what it is. When you see a lot of problems, you know, everybody's wondering, you know, you look at gang violence and you look at all these things that are happening around the country and you wonder why they're walking around with those thorns. That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and and when we do that, when we begin to look at our thorns, one of the things I'm wondering about you, Jeanette, when you started to say, okay, I wanted my dad, what were the feelings that you had to face? And everybody, you can join the conversation, by the way. You can hit us back on Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade. You can tweet us, hashtag Dr. Brenda Wade. You can call in, talk to Tanette, share your story, ask her questions. We want to hear from you. You can talk to us at 347 and let's see, it's 347-989-0776 and then hit 1 on your handset. Cliff will call on you and we do have a question that just came in tonight. Can you pause for a minute? I want to give you yes. this question. All right, here is a man who says, my father went to prison too, and I'm having a hard time in relationships. Do you think it's because my dad has been gone since I was 12? Well, that could obviously be one huge factor because the biggest thing when you don't have that father there, and this is for the man and for the woman, you don't have anybody that's, you know, that's showing you how to have a healthy relationship. So, mm. like, I can give you the example. I'm a woman, but my stepdad grew up without his father, and so did my own father. And so I've done a lot of talking with both of them, and my stepdad told me that when he was, you know, 13, 14, 15 and on up, everything he learned about girls, he learned it from movies. So imagine that. You know, if that's all you're going off of is movies, because we know that it's nothing like the movies. So that could be a, a huge, huge factor that's getting in between you and healthy relationships. Of course, that could be other things as well. But when we don't have that healthy role model in front of us showing us what a, what a healthy relationship is, then we're, we're left to make it up. or to Yeah, exactly. And one of the key things is when we have a parent who is there, and who is consistently every day showing us that we are loved and we are valuable, that's where we build healthy, and you know what I'm going to say, healthy self-esteem, because all the research, everybody, you know this, all the research shows that those people with high self-esteem have better relationships. It makes sense, doesn't it? If I love me, it's going to be easier to love you. So for you, Tanette, I know that you're doing beautiful work. I'm just incredibly inspired by your honesty, your willingness to look at the thorn, pull the thorn out, and go back in and do healing work with that thorn. And for you, what are the steps that were important for you? 
when you started to really look at it, and I want to say there are so many people, so many people whose fathers were absent for whatever reason, whether it was drugs or alcohol or whether it was another woman or whether it was prison. We know that there are millions of men and there are also a lot of women in prison. What does that do to a family? What does it do to the children? We know it sets patterns in motion. So what are the steps that led you Absolutely. And to your I, own and, healing? And before I answer that, I do want to mention that you're right about the millions. You know, Barack Obama just spoke last week, and he said that, you know, if, if you're African American, there's a one in two chance that you're growing up without a father. That's right, so, one in two. And early on, you know, one of the level. first books ever written on healing those patterns is a book I wrote 16 years ago called What Mama Couldn't Tell Us About Love. And we do talk about, and I speak, of course, from my lens as a psychologist, that once we understand, and you are doing a beautiful job, I could not agree more with your analysis about looking inside Looking yeah. at the behavior and saying the behavior is a red flag, but the behavior is not the problem. What's causing the behavior? That's yeah. why I told a little story about the lion. What's causing the behavior is what we have to look for and what we have to look at. So tell and us. to lay out those healing steps for you. Yeah, because, you know, everybody is hanging on your every word and going, all right, all right, Tanette, I was. In the same boat, this gentleman who wrote this question in, in the same boat, how do we start turning this boat around, Tanette? And, you know, and I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to break this down. So an easy way for the young man that's listening and other listeners, an easy way to remember it is to think TLC, and that is tell it, let it go, and create a new story to tell. And I'm going to break that down. Please. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so the tell it part, I feel like, is where we start figuring out, you know, we, 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 we look at those thorns. We realize that, first we have to realize that we even have a thorn. And then we start, you know, once we start working on pulling that out, I always tell people, you can't do this by yourself. So I didn't do it by myself. Um, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have a support group. And I think it's really, really um, important for somebody to find someone else that can support them. So I meet with people all the time. Maybe it wasn't that father or that mother, but maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a good friend. Maybe it was a pastor. You know, all these things, but it's very, very important to have some type of support group. If it's a mentor, maybe it's, you know, someone that you reach out to in that form. If you go to counseling, I'm so open to going to counseling. It's very, very important. You have to have that support group. Once you start working on those things, you've got to find healthy ways to release what's going on with you. So the the tell it part is the truth, where you really start confronting what you're doing. Admit, you know, look at some of the mistakes that you may have made with the, with the young guy. It would be the relationships. You know, mm-hmm. look back at all those relationships. Start listing all those relationships down. And what were some of the problems in those relationships? Then you now, that's the problem. hardest part because you know what people do when there's a problem in a relationship. Oh, when I see couples, you know the first thing they do? They've got the pointing finger out going, oh, it's you. It's not me. It's you. And, <laughs> and, you know, and I'm brutally honest with myself all the time, and I think you have to be to get to a place 
the place where you need to be. And I like to say it's from daddy list to destiny. That's my line. From daddy and, list to destiny. Hold on now. Yes. From daddy yes. list to destiny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now you're going to have to break that down too and from so, daddy list so to when destiny. You get, so once you start, you know, like you said, you have to be honest. Be honest with yourself because, remember, when you're breaking this down about some of the issues that you had, you're not in a room with the with the ex-girlfriend or with somebody with a problem. You're confronting yourself. So you got to be real with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then once you start doing that, I think it's important when you're in that stage to start looking at your genealogy and things like that. That's start right. looking at where you came from. Is it all addiction in your family? Is it all teen pregnancy? You know, is it all, a, you know, where we had all, you know, we got to break that cycle. So it's important to know where you came from. I mean, we've heard sayings like that all the time. We yes, don't know and for people and who from. want to do that, one of the tools I have in every one of my books is called a genogram. And it's like a little road map to mm-hmm. look at the family pattern. And it also helps you to understand why people were absent, why people were addicted, because we've got a frame around the history. Now, the president's comment about you have a one in two chance of growing up without a father, that has to do with history. And if you understand the history, you can say, oh, no wonder, no wonder. Now, keep going, Tanette. You're giving us steps. We only have a few minutes left. We want to get your steps. And so once you start getting to that place, that's where you can start working on releasing it, and it's very, very important to do those with healthy outlets. So, you know, is this going to be, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. So some people, you know, they like to release that physically. They like to emotionally or cognitively. Now, I'm a writer. That's how I released. That's what was the key steps for my healing was to do it through writing. You know what I mean? Everybody's different, but I think it's important and um you know, I would love to work with anybody who's out there. Please reach out to me to help you with this because this is what I do all, the, you know, for a living. But we yeah. go through that process of releasing it, and it's things that you got to do every day because I, comp- I compare the healing process to growing up without your father to plantar fasciitis. And I say that because plantar fasciitis, you know, it's gonna, it might always have some effect. Now, for those who don't know what that is, that's it is when an you inflammatory, have a, yeah. There you go. So, Keep going. It is a, it's inflammatory pain in the heel of the foot. I have it, so I know how difficult it is. That's why I can compare it to that. So, so you're like limping around with something yeah. hurting you all the time. That's what it's like to not have a father. You're limping around. Now, in our last few minutes, I want to ask you, dear, what was it like being the guest on Oprah's Life class, and how did that affect your life? It was incredible because I think the biggest thing, and I talked to an alternative school last week about this. They asked me that. The most incredible thing was that my mother and I were able to, you know, my mother was with me, and it was one of those moments where you're like, wow, the same kid. You know, my mom had, when I was growing up, she said, how could I have given birth to her? You know, and the same, the same, that same kid who was doing so bad and who teachers had written off, it's the same kid sitting in Harpo Studios. There you go. You know, so there you go. There really, you go. Really, really, you know, it really was, it gave me life, you know, all over. Anything it, is it possible. Me. And you yeah. were vindicated that there wasn't anything wrong with you. You right. had a thorn in your heel, gave you plantar fasciitis, apparently, and you needed yeah. some help healing yeah. it. Now, what would you say to fathers? who need to get reinvolved in their daughters' lives 
Well, this is excellent. Um, I just mentor. I've been mentoring a young lady in Chicago um, who couldn't, who didn't want to accept her father's forgiveness, and we've been working through it. They're doing great. What I would say is that it's going to be a slow process. You know, it obviously, you know, you didn't, they, you missed out on a chunk of their lives, but it is not impossible. I would say first, make sure that you're in a healthy place where you can actually commit time back to getting to know your kids. Because my motto for young people is that. You know, just because you grew up without a father doesn't mean you have to grow old without one. So oh, that's nice. Father, yeah, if there's a healthy father out there, make that connection. It might not be easy, but what will really, really help. It is might not be parents, easy, but everybody, you can work on this. You can make this and better. And the mothers of, and the, to the, begin, mothers of the kids are the key. They are yes. the gatekeepers. We have to start promoting women. We have to start... Uh, All right, Tanette. These relationships. Okay, Tanette, you are speaking powerful truth. You've heard today everybody from two women who are saying the same thing. Number one, get real with yourself. Spend some time with yourself. Get to know yourself. Take a look at what's hurting you if you see patterns in your love life. You are the common denominator. You are in every one of those relationships. And Tanette Powell has written a book. I want you to get it. The book is her memoir, The Other Woman. You better start looking now on Amazon for that second book. It's coming in May. And it's a really bold and a very emotional account of what happened to her and how she turned it around. You can hit her up at www.tunet.com. Powell, let me spell it for you, T-U-N-E-T-T-E-P-O-W-E-L-L, TanettePowell.com. And what you're saying, Tanette, is it's never too late to heal. Heal yourself, and then you can reach out and start looking at healing your father. And not healing your father, let me take that back. That is not what I meant to say. I mean healing maybe your relationship with your father, maybe. Is that right, Tanette? That's right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, everyone. Tanette Powell. And you can hit her up at Powell. Earlier you heard from Anita Ross, www.anitaross.net. Upcoming here on Good Love Radio, you're going to get to hear from Jeffrey Brown, who is the Oscar-winning director talking about his new film on girl power. You're also going to hear from Lisa McCarthy, who wrote The Power of Affirmations. And remember, anything is possible. We can heal, we can change, we can grow, we can transform our lives at any point. Break free today and give that gift to yourself first. And that gift is good love. All right? It can be yours today. Stay on the journey with me. I want you to stay right here with me so you can live your healthiest life, your best love ever. Hit me up at www.drbrendawade.com, Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade, Twitter, hashtag Dr. Brenda Wade. And I'm your good love doctor. We're going to say good night. And remember, you are worthy. You deserve good love, and I want you to have it. All right, blessings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Good Love.